0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hosted. Really excited to have Chloe Thomas from the Ecommerce Master Plan podcast and Keep Optimizing podcast here, joining us to talk about her podcasting journey, which began in 2015, which is earlier than a lot of folks. I mean, I feel like definitely on the forefront of the podcasting movement. So we're gonna hear all the ins and outs of e-commerce podcasting with Chloe. And this is again, an opportunity to turn the table a bit and let the podcaster be interviewed and shared some insights. So settle in and enjoy the conversation. Chloe, welcome to Hosted.
1: Hi, Brandy. Thanks for inviting me on. I love talking podcasting, so uh, this is a real treat.
0: You're a podcasting pro. You've been doing this for a while. Yeah, it's been what seven
1: years now, which is um, somewhat mind blowing. I think it's possibly longer than I've done anything else, which is quite (laughs)
0: remarkable. (laughs) It really is, and you must love it because it's not an easy lift. Podcasting is is can be very challenging to do it correctly effectively yeah Yeah, it's
1: been um I mean I've learned so much over the last seven years and it continuously throws up new challenges of organizational ability content quality marketing you know it's kind of endless but it's it's never unfascinating and I think the moment it becomes uninteresting is the moment I'll stop I can't see that happening anytime soon
0: yeah, I mean you are you have roughly I don't know 550 episodes yeah. under your belt between the two podcasts. That's that's incredible. Has there ever been a time when it has become less interesting and you had to shake it up a bit? Um I think
1: I wouldn't have said it became less interesting, but I shook up e-commerce master plan at the end of last year when um i got freaked out by a climate conference <laughs> decided you know did the full chicken little you know the world is ending ah what do i do and had a bit of a bit of a, a very miserable weekend and then came out and went actually let's Let's not leave the industry. Let's, as in the e-commerce industry, which is one of the problems. Um, yeah. Let's let's try and inspire people to to do do better. So I flipped the e-commerce master plan podcast. Rather than just being interesting e-commerce people, to be interesting e-commerce people who are doing something on the path to net zero or the path to sustainability, and that that new definition of who the guests needed to be and what we were trying to achieve really put a new rocket up my ass i suppose but <laughs> it slightly <laughs> bluntly but it, it gave it gave me a level of enthusiasm i didn't realize i was i was lacking but yeah i haven't i haven't become bored of them yet but but yeah but it's it's one of those things and you're the host you can tweak it and if you come up with an idea that makes it feel more exciting then you can do it it's it's cool
0: yeah no that's really cool so did you start because being narrowing in your guests can create a completely different challenge in finding guests. If you do a weekly show, so that that cadence is, is enough to you know require you to probably go out and do some some guest finding. Did yeah. you start with the conference, folks? How did you yeah. transition? Uh, the- E, the
1: biggest problem with the e-commerce master plan podcast is guests. It's always yeah. been guests and finding guests. O- originally, it was finding guests. So, I mean, I'd been pretty active in the UK e-commerce industry for maybe, oh, or for nearly a decade, actually, by the time we started it. So I had a massive list of people I wanted on. And in 2015, not many people got podcasting. And e-commerce, my, my you know, my target those people running e-commerce businesses I mean that's basically there's nothing in it for them to come on on my podcast other than ego boosting we're not putting them in front of their target customer it's simply because they want to share they want to help they want the ego of being on it and we asked so many people to be on the show and we had real challenges because weirdly enough they didn't want to record in October November and December Mm. um so so yeah we had real challenges in, in year the first few years of finding enough guests finding people who are willing to do it now that's flipped and our biggest uh our biggest problem is still finding guests but it's finding unique guests and interesting guests because I could um you know I love services like yourselves who recommend guests we find some awesome people through it but if I had people who want, who asked me to be on the show every single week, a lot of them speak to all the e-commerce podcasts. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm often, um, I think you guys have now got the new, you know, they're like, here's our coolest, latest guest," And I'm yes. jumping on that every time it comes out because I want them on my podcast before they go on Conley's podcast, before they go on Chase's podcast, before they go on Kurt's podcast, you know, because, because uh, I, I know that, if someone's scrolling through all the e-commerce podcasts, now, like, oh well, I heard him last week on that, or I heard them last week on that one, it's not quite as good for me. So, so now we put a lot of effort in trying to find people who've never been on a podcast to bring them in and um you know and work it that way, whilst also picking the best of those we get referred to by people like yourselves. So it's it's now become the challenge of the plethora of guests and trying to find the right guests, not just any guest. But yeah, it's Guests are exhausting trying to find them, and we have a lot of patience with the e-commerce master plan guests because, as I said, there's not a lot in it for them. You know, yeah. if you're selling, I see today I was recording with a company um, who do um, who do chocolate. All right now, that's pretty relevant to everybody listening. But the day before, I was recording with someone who do. Um, uh, handcrafted crochet toys now that's not relevant to the whole audience you know and I might recall with yeah. someone who's doing feminine hygiene products or <laughs> someone who's you know really really niche stuff that's brilliant but I'm not putting it in front of their audience so so we're quite Patient with them. A lot of our guests cancel and rebook, or they turn up and they're trying to do it from a cafe, which weirdly isn't good. So we rebook them. So I'm I'm very, very patient with the e-commerce master plan listeners because um, you know I'm forever grateful they're willing to give up the time to come on the show. To be honest,
0: yeah, I mean you are. That is so true. You know, we're working with a lot of our clients you know, an accounting client, for example, isn't necessarily going to want to go on accounting podcasts. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. only so many of those that you want to, to leverage to kind of flex your expertise and your ego, but really you want to get in front of an audience that perhaps may buy your product or engage in your service. So it is, it is a, it's an ask and, you know, there's only a certain number of, of e-commerce. If you're if you're an e-commerce seller, there's only a certain number of e-commerce podcasts that you're probably willing yeah. to to spend your time doing. And as you mentioned, there are quite a few out there, especially after 2020.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, we had in the industry we had a massive boom in podcasts in 2020. It felt like every single marketing agency and SaaS company in the space went, oh, we're stuck at home. We better do a podcast, which was awesome because it I think it's brought a lot more listeners into the space, but it's also up the competition levels. So uh, it's been it's been fun seeing a lot more podcasts come along. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah,
0: and I would imagine too, thinking about 2020 and the push for e-commerce, right? I mean, yeah, that was a huge surge when consumers were changing the way that they were purchasing. So everyone wanted to jump in and be a part of it. So have you seen a lot of the podcast hosts who started, have they continued? Because it is, I think the statistically it's like people get into like episode eight and then they just completely fall off the radar.
1: You know, it's, it's on my to-do list is to go and work out which ones have, have, have ended. And see yeah. if I can do a deal with them to nick their RSS feed, or you know, <laughs> rent their RSS feed. I shouldn't say that on this podcast. I? I'm g- giving away my my secret. <laughs> your strategies. dirty
0: your dirty strategies.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's one of my my ideas is to go is to go and look at that. So I haven't actually looked at it yet, but it feels like a lot of them have stuck around, and it's actually been interesting chatting to some of them about what the role of their podcast is, because mm. for a lot of them, it's adding it's not necessarily about the listeners which I find mind-boggling but for a lot of them it's about the opportunity to connect with another of their partners so Mm -hmm. it becomes another reason to build a stronger relationship is that they've done a podcast together um, which is quite quite different to why I have people on my show and so forth so I think I think most of them are still around to be honest which is one of the reasons I haven't yet done the done that bit of research and some of them have become really popular too so it's you know and they provide inspiration for the rest of us on how they've tweaked the format even in such a small industry as e-commerce
0: yeah I, and i and i do think that people are looking at podcasting in a in a lot of different ways i mean what you're talking about is people using it for lead gen or you know making those relationships they have with their clients stronger and you've really you approached us in 2015 I'm assuming with the listener in mind and providing quality content to the people who are who are following you and coming to your podcast for insight and information. Yeah,
1: I mean, back in 2015, I started it because uh, it's quite muddy, really, why I started it. Um, It's kind of because at the time I was running a marketing agency that I needed leads for. Um, but I was also trying to leave the marketing agency because as an introvert, running a marketing agency is a terrible idea because you spend all your time and energy on, um, on your team, on your clients and on your new business channel. And you're left with nothing left at the end of the day. And I'd realised this and I was trying to find a way of leaving. Um, podcasting, I was introduced to by someone who was speaking on the same event circuit as me. And um, and he, you know, gave me a couple of people to listen to. One of whom was John Lee Dumas, mm. and I listened to a lot of John's stuff back then, and went, "This is very cool. I could do this." So partly it was like, "I want to be JLD." Um, never achieved that. I, I never <laughs> will in the e-commerce space. Um, but much respect to what what him and Kate have achieved. But but then the other part of it was. In the world of e-commerce, one of the problems we'd always had with the agency is that a lot of e-commerce business owners never leave their office. Just like they don't get a lot out of being a guest on my podcast, they also don't get a lot about going to a networking event. So you can't network with them because then they don't want to network. There's nothing in it for them, you know? So it was they were very hard to find and it seems to be an industry that attracts introverts who don't want to leave their desk anyway. Um, so I was like hold on, this podcast thing, I could be on their desk with them, that's rather clever, and then I also, at the same time, I was having loads of really fascinating chats with people as part of the new business process, when I was out and about with those who were willing to leave their desks, and all of them were off the record. So I'd be chatting to someone, then a week later I'd be chatting to someone else and go, oh, I spoke to someone the other day who did something a little bit like that. I can't tell you who they are or what they sell or what the actual results were, but it'd be well worth you testing why. And it's like, that's not that useful. And I thought if I could manage to combine these amazing conversations I was privileged enough to have in a recorded format, I could reuse them in my own speaker presentations, but I could also then share them with the people who needed to hear it and build my audience and if i could get it big enough i could then get sponsorship money which would enable me to get out of my agency so it was quite a muddled piece it took me until 2018 to get my first sponsor so it was a bit of a a long range one on that front but um it has eventually paid off but yeah it, it, and it paid off on the softer side of things from day one yeah and
0: and i and it, that's really interesting especially since you said that you're an introvert, because I think a lot of people listening here would not assume that an introvert would willingly take up podcasting. Indeed.
1: I mean, like you said, I've now got two shows. So I'm, and I, you know, I go on other people's podcasts, so I probably record 120, 130 interviews a year, which is a lot. So I've had to, I don't consult or coach anymore because I can only cope with so many meetings a week and still be fun and entertaining and not appear to be an introvert and still have time to do things on the, you know, energy to do things on the weekend. So you have, you have to be quite disciplined, but I actually think, you know, introverts are being awfully broad brush about it. We're very good at organising things mm-hmm. and actually a successful podcast as a solopreneur, is far more about your ability to organise things than it is for you to be exciting on the show. Yes, you've got to be able to ask interesting questions and listen, etc., you know, to your guests and find a guest. But actually, 90% of success with sponsors and with just producing the show is about being organised, being process-driven uh, and so forth. That is, that's the majority of the life of a podcaster.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Chloe. I've heard this from many other podcasters actually that are introverts, but also highly organized and are able to like, they have a very tight podcast scheduling system that they kind of run people through. And, but then they also mentioned even during the interview, I think it was uh, Noah from Code Story. He was he was talking about how, like, if he'll do like two or three interviews in a day, he's done. Like, he can't. There's no more meetings that he can take. He can do quiet work, but he is he is done engaging with people. And then those are like big, heavy days for him. So um, I agree with you. I think it, podcasting takes a certain level of organization. And it seems that introverts really thrive in the world of podcasting. And, and being an introvert doesn't necessarily mean that you don't enjoy talking to people. It's just that it takes quite a bit out of you when you, yeah. it's, it's exactly. like a performance.
1: Yeah, it's it's not the, you know, one of my favorite things to do is stand on a, on a stage in front of a few hundred people and do a presentation or chair a panel or something. You know, I love doing that. I get I get a bit of an energy buzz from it. But there's quite a big come down about an hour or so later you know so if i'm attending an event i will no longer go to the stuff in the evening because i need to go and have room service and hide away and and yeah i i can do i can possibly do four podcast interviews in a day but none of them are going to be a challenging one otherwise i'll have i'll have moved it if they're really if the ones i'm excited about it's easy we're good if it's um you know if i'm exploring one of the One of the social media channels I don't know quite so much about, like TikTok, I'm currently in the process of recording. I'm not doing three TikToks interviews in a day. That's just, it's just not good. Too much. (laughs) Too much.
0: So, and Chloe, you mentioned that you started to get some sponsors in, you said, 2018? Yeah. So what did that journey look like? What, you know, it's, and I tell people this all the time, that if you are, if you're looking to monetize straight out of the gate unless you're Dax Shepard from, you know, armchair experts, it's, 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 that's a, that's a really unlikely thing that's going to happen. Uh, Can you chat with us a little bit about what that looked like, what that journey looked like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, as I said, part of my plan from day one was sponsorship income, but one of the things I didn't want to do was to start taking sponsors until the time it took to organize a sponsorship was worth it so i had a had a base number i can't remember what it was but a base number which unless someone was willing to pay that much per episode i wasn't going to open myself up to sponsorship because the work it took to do the sponsorship wouldn't be worth it and I only have so much time and I could be writing a white paper for someone or speaking at an event or doing one of the things which did pay me enough money and there's you know there's a downside to having sponsors the audience aren't as happy about it as if there aren't any sponsors so um, you know I I was very conscious about that and it's about 2018 that there was the appetite for it and then um, you know there was at a level which I was willing to charge people for it So we did a couple very end of 2018. Then at some point in 2019, I don't know if it was HubSpot or someone else who talks to SaaS marketers when you've got to sponsor podcasts. And suddenly the inbound inquiry started coming in. And since then, I've just kept tweaking the price up. And this year, we changed it. We used to have Uh, Two sponsors per episode, two pre-roll, two mid-roll. So each sponsor got a pre-roll and a mid-roll. Now we're at the point where um, this year we have one pre-roll slot, two mid-roll slots. So three sponsors per episode and a post-roll that someone can buy. Um, All of that's been selling this year. So we're now up to three, three sponsors per episode. I'm not going to extend that. I'm trying to work out what it looks like in 2023. I'm not quite sure how the recessionary stuff's going to affect it. But I am forever grateful that I'm in and by luck, I'm in an industry where I have connections and a podcast that I started four years too early, um, where the, it makes sense for the SaaS companies, the software companies to pay the numbers I'm willing to sacrifice space on my podcast for that enable this whole thing to work. I'm in a very lucky space. I mean, if you, if you talk to CPM numbers... No one who wants to sponsor on a CPM basis is going to sponsor my show because the numbers just don't stack up in comparison to that. I'm in a very, very lucky niche.
0: Yeah. Annie, I'm not sure
1: that answered your question, but we no. also, are.
0: yeah, no, I think that that's great, and I and I think that that's really interesting too to even bring in the conversation about the CPMS because podcasting is just a different, totally different ball game, and I and I think there is this this sweet spot for. Companies that are—they have a very targeted niche, and your podcast speaks directly to them. And and I honestly feel like there's a lot of value to be had there, more so than than paying any sort of ad dollars, sponsorship money towards a gigantic podcast that tends to have a more generalized audience who probably are going more for entertainment and less like. Mm-hmm tips and insight, industry insights. So I, I really think that this is a, a space that will continue to grow. Are you, one of the questions I have, because it, like finding a sponsor is not easy, and I know you have a, a very large network, are you using a, a platform to help connect you to potential sponsors, or are you doing all of that legwork yourself?
1: I'm currently doing all the legwork myself um I'm simply because I've been lucky enough to be in a space with a podcast that means I get people asking to sponsor sometime you know when it's when it's busy marketing planning season I might get three or four people a week asking me now we're not going to sell to all of them because not all of them actually want the pricing that I'm willing to do and and so on and so forth but I'm in a lucky spot where I'm able to organize it myself um and it's been and and the the lack of um sponsorship collateral I suppose to be able to sell people the lack of capacity is the reason I launched the second show or 50% mm. of the reason I launched the second show was I've got all these people who want to sponsor a podcast I don't have any sponsorship slots left what do we do so I launched the second podcast which was one I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that was more practical for the audience because e-commerce mastermind is more inspirational. Keep optimizing is more practical. So I had a great content idea, and that one sold exclusively to one person from day one. Oh my um, goodness. which I'm still pinching myself about and is why I'm now able not to do the consulting or the coaching and focus in on the podcasting. But but like I said, I'm I'm getting boring saying this again and again. I am very lucky to be in this space, but I've also created that luck by launching the podcast early and building the reputation. And, you know, a lot of my podcaster people, I do other work for my podcast sponsors. You know, I I invite them on as guests. I don't charge anyone ever for being a guest on any of the shows. I feature their customers on the shows. I speak at their events. I chair uh, webinars for them. We send, we do email advertising for them now as well. So it's it's far more of a partnership piece than it is a rent five spots type scenario.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So this uh, for Keep Optimizing, is that a forever sponsorship or is that a yearly basis? And
1: We're doing it on a yearly basis at the moment. So well, we're just about to start negotiating 2023. So uh, this is the part of the year where I'm at my most nervous because <laughs> I'm going, I really hope they've still got the same strategy next year. I mean, I know I'll, I'll uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll manage to sell it to someone, but uh, life is very, very easy if, um, you know, if one person takes
0: it for the whole year. Well, and and really smart to to open up other opportunities for your advertisers, you know, having their clients on, having them on as guests, expanding outside of the podcast in order to to get that that reach. Um, Are they, you know, I I would imagine that it's a little bit different for your sponsor for Keep Optimizing. For the e-commerce master plan, is there... Because again, the, the podcasting world is just, it's a—it's just, it's not, you can't translate like digital marketing to podcasting. So what expectations do your sponsors have to, do you have to show uh, proof of listenership? Like, what is that, what does that yeah. look like?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Certainly those who stick, stick around longest and repeat um, uh, sponsor most often are those who are more interested in the brand awareness. So they want to make sure that when someone thinks about subscription software, they're the one they go to. When someone thinks about email, they're the one they go to because they're who they've heard from the most times. They've heard mentioned the most times. So the brand awareness side of things happens, you know, is the most most popular. We provide all our sponsors with listen stats on their episodes every week of their sponsorship. Um, I honestly don't know how many of them actually look at that because you know sometimes they'll email me and they'll ask something and i'll send them especially in spreadsheet like a month after their sponsorship they'll be like, that's amazing chloe so cool you're sharing this I'm like, i shared it with you weekly <laughs> during the time <laughs> um so i'm not sure how focused on the stats they are we very occasionally get asked to put in tracking content you know like a pod sites or you know one of those links um Not very often, and usually uh, people are disappointed with the results they get through that. So I try and make them aware in advance that the ability to track the impact is going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. Give you some, you know, just an example of this. Our podcast is listened to, or both podcasts are listened to 90% on a mobile phone in some way or another. Our own website is 90% visited by desktops. So you've got two different devices, which probably means because most e-commerce businesses do not give their employees work mobile phones. Mm -hmm. They're listening on their personal mobile and they're visiting the website, our website, which probably means they're visiting our sponsors' websites on their work computer. That is nigh on impossible for anyone to track, even if all the cookies were allowed and there was no privacy legislation at all it's pretty impossible to track so it's very very hard to track the impact of podcasts generally it's very very hard to track the impact of our podcast sponsorship but I know you know anecdotally from some of the sponsors which weirdly they don't share a lot of this back with me and I keep trying to get more but yeah there's there's a flaw in my model at the moment it's lack of testimonials for the sponsorship but you know I hear back from them when I go and go and chat with them at conferences, oh, we've had like five people come up to the stand today and say they've heard us on your podcast. It's like, that's awesome, but it's very untrackable. It's very unprovable about that impact. So um, so yeah, that's very long-winded way of saying stats are hard, <laughs> I suppose.
0: Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, even from the guesting side, because you know, our whole business, as people who tune into our show regularly know that Kitcaster, we put guests on podcasts and it's the same sort of conversation. When we're working with clients that get it, they know that it is a brand play. It is it is an awareness play. It's more top of the funnel. People are going to hear you and, and that that's, they're also going to need to see you show up to other places and people that, that know that and are in marketing get it. But it's hard when you have somebody who's in the the advertising world and they're used to seeing things in uh in numerics and these this ROI with a number attached to it. It's really challenging.
1: Yeah, and I feel that I ran you know, I started my career sending out catalog mailing, which is incredibly trackable. I am a direct marketer. I'm a performance yeah. marketer at heart. I, you know, my, my agency was most successful at running Google ads for people. Okay. I want the data. I want the tracking. I want everything. So I, I totally understand, you know, when people get frustrated by it, but there's so little we can do. And it's, you know, we've just got to to do what, do what we can and track what we can. And um, yeah, it's, I feel the frustration, but I also understand this is a totally different play. Totally different play.
0: It is. It is. I know I keep telling people, I'm like, think less Google ads and more billboard. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what we're working with here. And I actually think it's probably very similar. Like if 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 people are, are in the podcast ecosystem, they're listening to a podcast, they hear something that, They hear an ad, they hear somebody who's talking about their company, they get really excited about it. They have to remember that the likelihood of them departing from their podcast ecosystem and going to a website is very unlikely, but they'll make a mental note and perhaps hit that later. And it's the same thing that you see something, perhaps you see a billboard and you're like, oh great, that concert's coming into town. Mental note, obviously, I'm not going to look that up while I'm driving, or at least I shouldn't. When I get somewhere, I will then look it up and perhaps buy tickets. But it's like, to track that, how in the world would you do that?
1: Yeah, it's incredibly hard. I mean, we try and, you know, we do what we can to make the the ads more memorable and to repeat the same URLs. You know, everyone aims for a slash master plan. And we've just started um, for this autumn because... The sponsors keep giving me really, really complicated links. And you know, and I'm like, I'm not reading this out on the podcast. It's not going to work for you if I read this link out. You know, they want all the UTM tracking and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay. So we're now using a short link of our own for the majority of the ads for this autumn, which is gonna be interesting because I'm gonna be able to see how many clicks they get, which is kind yeah. of cool because it's via our own system. Um, but it's also, I hope, going to bring more of a reminder to people. So it will all of them will be ecmp.link forward slash something. Oh, sorry, ecmp.info, forgetting it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got my script in front of me. So ecommercemasterplan.info forward slash insert brand name there, which I'm hoping will create more, a bit more awareness. But it's always just trying to... Trying to do this and trying to do this and you know trying to get get the right stuff through and then encouraging the sponsors to create landing pages that have got a photo of me or a logo of the podcast and something just to tie the whole thing together is um, is interesting but i I forever want stronger partnerships with the sponsors, and often I have more time to make that happen than they do yeah. so a lot of it is going, oh, by the way, we had one of your guests on the podcast the other day. Or would you like to recommend one of your, uh, your clients as a guest? Or, oh, you've produced a really interesting report. Would you like to come on the podcast and talk about it? It's it, Building partnerships with sponsors is a lot less passive than you might think it is you've 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 really got to chase down the opportunities even the stuff you give away for free you have to kind of chase down would you like me to share that on social media would could we feature your report on something so um but of course all those free bits and chasing it down gives you another reason to speak to them which keeps you top of mind so it's um it's
0: a fun game <laughs> smart it's really smart I mean honestly I haven't heard anybody taking it to this this approach like just thinking about the different ways that you can engage and show value outside of the the podcast are, are you doing host read ads or are you doing are they they're faded? all host read
1: but yeah. they're they're pre-recorded and then added in later on so they're not they're not kind of like oh here's the intro and oh, by the way blah, blah 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 it's here's our sponsors bang bang two sponsors then we get on with the show um yeah. So they're all, they are all read with me. I do tweak people's scripts and I offer to write the scripts for people because a lot of our sponsors haven't done it before and they're not sure what to do. We've got one sponsor who provides pre-recorded ads, which is lovely. Um, <laughs> makes my life a lot easier. But, um, but yeah, they're all, they're all host recorded. It's all read yeah. by me.
0: That's great. Yeah, I do actually think, I, I kind of like the host read ad because it does feel like it flows a little bit Mm. more nicely and and it is it is like an influencer marketing strategy you know I mean it's like oh well Chloe likes this brand and she's talking about it so you know I should be interested too I haven't quite
1: yet reconciled calling myself an e-commerce influencer Uh, apart from the the occasional you know social media post I might say it but um I do get referred to and introduced as an e-commerce influencer a fair bit now which I just find a bit weird <laughs> I'm not I'm not fully not that you've yet. written no. five
0: you've written five books right Best yeah five
1: books, in e- e-commerce. Written five books chair a yes. lot of the biggest conferences in the UK speak at things um but yeah not I don't know it's the influencer word it feels like I should be you know doing fashion or something um it feels feels quite strange like
0: influencers in the wild have you ever seen that um no social media site it's it's kind of capturing influencers and it's kind of like bloopers actually of influencers just kind of about their day kind of doing ridiculous photo shoots it's it's quite hysterical yeah you should should look at that, but um, I you check that out. Yeah, yeah, you'll get a you'll get a kick out of it. But you're an influencer. I mean, that's in the e-commerce space. Yeah, I yeah, it's hard. But
1: I need to come to terms with it. But um, <laughs> I'll hide behind podcast host and author for a little bit longer yet. But yeah, yeah, and it, and what, what I'm trying, what I'm working on now, is trying to work out other ways to take that partnership with the SaaS partners to another level and because as as a, as a very wise person pointed out to me the other day they have massive marketing budgets and only a teeny tiny bit of that marketing budget is for podcast advertising so trying to work out how we can bring more to the party and, and help them out further and, and basically get my hands on their budget that isn't just for podcast or speaking
0: yeah which yeah which is,
1: you know, what, where you kind of, if you want to explore and build a build a business in podcasting, then that's what you have to start thinking about. is where Identify where the opportunities are and then find a way to go after them, uh, whilst trying not to neglect the core, which it's very easy to expand. I mean, we did um, podcast, uh, not podcast, we did uh, virtual summits a couple of times. So ran our own virtual summit events, pre-recorded sessions with sponsors sponsoring it, um, which is there's certainly an appetite from the sponsors for it but it's very it's very spiky work mm-hmm. you know it's like it's an awful lot of work in a short period of time which when you're trying to produce two weekly podcasts which are very hungry things it requires an awful lot of pre-loading a load of podcast content clearing the decks for the summit destroying your energy levels whilst running a summit and then trying to get back into the podcast afterwards so we're not doing those anymore because they're too disruptive even though they were fairly lucrative so it's got to come up with something else now
0: <laughs> that's yeah. my challenge at the moment well and that was a really good experiment though right I mean yeah. to kind of see what it, what would interest the sponsors and and could you deliver and what would that bandwidth look like and would that audience transfer over into into a video platform
1: yeah, it's been, I don't I don't know how much the audience crossover there was because in terms of the actual tracking, going back to me being a tech, you know, a stats-obsessed performance marketer, we drove most of it with with advertising revenue. So Facebook ads and Google ads. Yeah. Um, intentionally drove most of it that way. It wasn't, oh my God, how are we going to get the numbers? The plan was to do most of it through, through advertising revenue. So obviously the, the best, Audiences that worked were those who had been to our website and so forth, but you can't cookie the people who've who've been on your pod, who've listened to your podcast. So it's very hard to see what the overlap is between those. Were we just grabbing people who already listened, or were we, you know, were we uh, grabbing new people who we might be able to turn into listeners? That's what I'm working on, but it's it's there, yeah. Too hard work, basically, too disruptive a summit. So, and I think the summit space has become, you know, we're as a business, we're very good at podcasting. We're okay at summits, and the summit space has become quite congested. Mm. So, I was like, right, we're not leading the pack on the summits. Yeah. I'm not sure we're adding anything to the conversation here. So, let's exit that and we'll go and try and do something else that fits with my introvertism and all the rest of it and how I want to live my life a bit better delivers for the partners and delivers for the audience because I'm I think we were just becoming just another virtual summit and other people are taking it to a level beyond where I wanted to really
0: yeah yeah I mean the level of sophistication that's happening and the the players involved in that it's just it's a whole other world that it's it, I think it's hard to to step into if it's not your it's not your wheelhouse yeah exactly so it's
1: you know but i guess that's one of the joys of running you know running a podcasting business is you can you can make these tweaks quite quickly it's not like i'm running a big physical real world event i'm just running a virtual event and going actually we're not going to do one again no one's going to mind if i don't do one again that's it's a one time thing that's
0: okay yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so oh, yeah i'm i'm curious so we're just shifting gears here a bit I, thinking about your two different podcasts so e-commerce master plan it's it's geared it's very it's more broad than Mm -hmm. keep optimizing. It feels a bit more, you know, even in the description, right? Um, Sharing advice to grow your e-commerce biz without losing your life, right? Because you obviously have seen a lot of people who are in the industry of e-commerce and have been, you know, kind of everything's kind of fallen apart. So I would imagine that you've had some pretty, inspiring, perhaps emotional, where people get very vulnerable, uh, more so on e-commerce master plan? Um, I try not
1: to go to the vulnerable side of things, simply because I want it to be uplifting and I want to want the guests to feel comfortable. And as I said, they're they're doing me a great favor by sparing the time to come on. So I'm more about celebrating success than I am on digging for dirt. But inspiring, yeah, massively. Um, just some phenomenal people doing, running really, really cool businesses. And as I said, we've, we've refocused into the world of um, of sustainability and net zero and this kind of stuff. Which don't do not ask me to define because I don't think it's possible yet. And I'm, I've, you know, I've jumped into this going, I'm going to learn with you. <laughs> so I, yeah. But just some amazing business people in that space who are trying to change the world, and one who who comes to, to mind because she is she is a force uh, is a lady called Cressy Wesling who runs a business called Elvis and Cressy. Who are she's American? They're based in the UK, and they are fully circular. So they they find waste products. The first waste product was fire hoses. So. The the ones the firemen use wow. that that waste product, and they turn it into luxury accessories and goods. It's
0: and incredible. Give me an example. Do you like of what luxury products are we talking so about here?
1: Belts, bags, um those kind of like ex- essentially luxury accessories. Yeah. And you know they've gone luxury because that's where they needed the price point to be for them to be able to run a business that made money and was sustainable, but it. They, she's been doing this for about 10 years. She was well ahead of the game. And they've taken it into, you know, into how they how they do every element of the business. And she shared with me, I said, you know, how do you work out what the right thing and the wrong thing is to do? Because trying to be sustainable for consumers is a nightmare. For business owners, it's almost an even bigger nightmare because every question you ask could be a rabbit hole. But she just filters everything they do in the business through the question is this going to make the world better for other people's grandchildren? So not my grandchildren, because we could just go straight after profit, <laughs> which is yeah. not the point. But other people's grandchildren, it's going to make the world better for them. And I think that's just so, such clarity. You know, if you're, you, I've, I've recently been um, trying to find a sustainable business credit card, which is hard in the UK, a lot easier in the US.
0: Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: but I was, I was on the cusp of going down a massive rabbit hole of trying to find the perfect option. And then I went, actually, I found one. They're doing carbon offsetting. They appear to care. They're, be- they're miles better than the person I'm currently using. Making this decision is going to make the world a bit better for other people's grandchildren. Let's do this, and then we'll go and fix something else. And I just keep, I've actually got it written along the bottom of my, my screen monitor now because it's just such a simple guiding light. So, there's just super inspiring people like her. And then there was another lady called Helen Rankin from Cheeky Wipes who make reusable baby wipes. So, like a package you can buy. And she was talking about how she built the business up to this multi million pound piece, but also going into what's probably going to be quite a difficult Q4 with inflationary issues and, you know, cost of living squeeze and all the rest of it. She was talking about how. They're about, they're, they were in the process of tweaking all their marketing messaging from sustainability to cost saving and value. And the fact that, if, you know, if you buy this when your baby's born, you're going to save X hundreds of pounds versus buying disposable wipes. And it's better for your hands as well, by the way. And, the way, you know, just the clarity she shared around that just makes you go, oh, hold on, even if I'm a massively sustainable business, I still have to bother about what customers actually care about. Yeah. And, there's just just and then then to give you an amazing american lady as well was um jenny whose surname i've just forgotten from grove collaborative who helped fashion a fashion launch on amazon and is now working for a um sustainable house cleaning products business where they focused on purely the people who got who want it And who get it already they're not changing anyone's minds yet and they've already grown that to a multi-million pound business and she was just like I was just in awe as she was talking I was like this is so clear and but but everything she was sharing was something a big business or a small business can do and it was just yeah Yeah, yes I've had I've been lucky enough to have some
0: phenomenal guests over the years yeah yeah, that is fantastic. And and the fact that you kind of switch gears after going to a conference, deciding that you wanted to focus in on more of the sustainability piece in e-commerce. And then it sounds like every conversation, it's just exactly what you needed personally. Yeah, and a lot of
1: them are, yeah, they kind of they give me great great tips and great advice and then it's just such a pleasure to to be able to share it with the audience and sometimes because uh you know e-commerce businesses have busy times a year because I have busy times a year when I've got to be up in London talking at things we do a lot of batch recording of guests and so sometimes it's it's like a really nice surprise when one of them goes live you know like I might record it and then it's a couple of months before it goes live it's like oh that one oh brilliant and you get this burst of energy to repromote it so um so yeah it's it's guests are forever inspirational
0: yeah that's it's incredible that's that's just the the happy outcome from podcasting is is the people that you connect with and and what you can can glean and and take away with which is is pretty pretty amazing
1: Mm. it's such a lovely collaborative industry It really is. So it's a lovely,
0: lovely community to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. Chloe, thank you so much for sharing everything about podcasting, specifically the sponsorship piece, because I do feel like that is something that we haven't talked a lot about in in Hosted, on Hosted. And um, it's really important. And people who are investing time and effort into their podcast and figuring out a way to to make it financially beneficial and perhaps even be able to leave their, leave their work and, and focus on what they love full time. Yeah. It's been a
1: pleasure. It's been lovely chatting with you. So thanks for having me on the show. I hope it's helped the listeners
0: yeah thank you chloe and uh, everyone needs to go and check out both of chloe's podcasts e-commerce master plan and keep optimizing whether you're in e-commerce or not it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter i feel like a a lot of what the guests have to say applies to almost every industry so um tune in to both of those podcasts check out our website Check out some of the sponsors that she has um, coming on to her show and stay tuned for the next episode of Hosted. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hosted, a podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, a podcast booking agency. If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.